Hello and welcome to the Bible and Me podcast brought to you by Precept UK. We are a charity based here in Salisbury focused mainly on Bible study resources and it's our mission to equip people to know God deeply and to live differently as a result. For more information, visit precept.org.uk. But firstly, I just want to start this off by saying a massive thank you to all of our listeners. We are so blessed now to be releasing Series 7 and we couldn't have got there without your incredible testimonies and reviews. If you aren't already, we would love it if you would consider subscribing so that you won't miss out on ordinary people with interesting stories about an extraordinary God. But without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I am uh, really delighted to be welcoming James Hutchings to the podcast today. James is married to Alice. They have three children, uh, Ben, Ollie and Sarah, uh, all in their 20s. Uh, James has worked in banking. Don't hold it against him. Uh, he has a keen interest in politics and uh, indeed once put himself forward to be an MP in a London constituency. Uh, he loves sport, is a good golfer, uh, plays tennis. Uh, and uh, in his early 40s, he sensed a call to pursue ordained ministry. He has a real heart to work alongside those most in need in society uh, particularly the homeless. Uh, James currently lives um, in Barnes in, in London. Uh, so James, welcome to the programme. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, so James, how did you become a Christian and why, why are you a follower of Jesus? Why do you do that? Well, I was very fortunate and blessed to to grow up in a, uh, a, a a loving family a Christian family um, I'm the youngest of five children um, and church was a very natural part of uh, of, of our lives um, and so I had that sense of Jesus being with me from the very start if you if you like um, but I think there's been a pro- progression over time um, uh, uh, as I as I've as I've gone deeper with God, and and, and there have been particular moments and particular people, which I'm sure we'll touch on, where um, I've either been able to see God at work already, or or, or or the sense of God's hand on me, saying, "This is this is what comes next." Um, so, um, and I'm a, f- a follower of Jesus because. It's in him we know who who God is and we know what it is to be a fully alive human being. So uh, what? who else would you follow? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, now, you went to um, school in Dorset, um, a place called Canford, and then you went on to Exeter University where you read economics. Um, and on leaving Exeter, you went into banking. Uh, first with Barclays and then with Kleinwart Benson, uh, a leading investment bank. Um, why banking? Why, why did you go to, you, you know, I guess you could have gone into all sorts of different things, but why, why banking? And I hasten to this was long before the banking crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always say to people that I was in banking when it was decent and honest. Um, <laughs> and they all laugh. Um, I, I, I think I'd, I'd read economics, you know, it was a bit of serendipity, really. I'd read economics and um, uh, and it was a thing I, so I did at a, a university. And I guess it was the time in the 80s when the sort of exciting place to go and work was the city. Um, and so that, and um, 
I had there's quite a legal side to my family, and I sort of determined I wasn't going to do the law because that would might have been the other kind of obvious thing. So 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 I ended up in in banking. Um, and uh, to be honest, I wasn't terribly good at banking, really. Uh, I, um, uh, but I, you know, I learned things. I learned, I, I had a couple of years at Barclays, um, you know, being on the till and, uh, uh, you know, dealing with the guy who used to come into Borough High Street branch saying, and he would always say, uh, good morning, I'm the king of Norway. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, so dealing with interesting characters. <laughs> Um, and then assuming, went, I'm assuming he wasn't the king of Norway. <laughs> well, not I don't think so. No, we were very nice to him, but he didn't really produce uh, sufficient documentary evidence to that. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I went to work uh, for Climate Benson, which was one of the merchant banks, um, uh, which uh, on the Japanese team, not because I had any knowledge about Japan at all, um, but. Um, uh, it was a fascinating time, learned a bit about um, sort of the etiquette of dealing with the Japanese. Um, uh, and um, the city was fascinating because there are very bright people and interesting people who are drawn to work in the city. Um, and uh, uh, so I enjoyed that, but I realised A, I wasn't tremendously good at it, um, and B, um, I, I was at that point feeling that God had other plans for me. Um, but I, I think one of the things that I, I reflect on now is I, I'm now um, at a parish in Barnes in southwest London, and we have a lot of people who work in the city here. And so the advantage is, although I was there a million years ago and uh, in a lonely position, it's just a really helpful um, point of contact to be able to say, oh, yeah, I worked in the city. Um, and to be able to relate to people in that situation. And it, I think the city has a kind of mystique about it. Um, uh, but basically, if, you, if you're if you comfortable with, you know, two plus two, they're just bigger numbers, really. That's what the city <laughs> is about. Um, but there's also the images that the city is about people who are kind of money-grubbing and, uh, you know, in it for themselves. And that really wasn't the evidence of, of what I found. I mean, you know, I think you, obviously you can find evidence of that. Um, but... Um, it's no, I think no, I don't think it's any coincidence that quite a lot of vicars have been in banking or in the city in the past. And of course, Justin Welby, the Archbishop, uh, was a financial man working for, was it BP or one of the anyone, big old companies? So um, I, I think that you're dealing with the big issues and you realise that if you haven't got a God at the heart of it, then you've got, you know, it's God or mammon. It's that biblical choice isn't it um, yeah absolutely fascinating to hear you say that your you know your parish now you and the people that you're mixing with a lot of bankers and 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 yeah nothing's lost is it in terms of you know you wouldn't have known you wouldn't have known at the time that you were in banking you know having left university that years later you'd be that that experience would help you in the job that you're doing now so so yeah the lord is clever isn't he in yeah. the way he does that now in the early 90s um you found yourself as director of Future of Europe Trust. <laughs> um, interesting. I mean, we're still talking about the future of Europe now, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> and, and during this time became very involved in politics. Uh, tell us about your work um, with and around a parliament and your ambitions in this area. Well, this is one of the great dilemmas of my life has been um, a sense of God's calling and kind of where where is that? Where, where is that? And um, for a long time, I felt that 
that was in the political world, uh, and I remain very interested in politics, but not in a party political sense. Um, um, and so when I when I came left university and um, came out to live in London, um, I got very involved with local politics and uh, became a local councillor in the London borough of Lambeth, which at that time was um, a place of great political controversy. Some of some older uh, listeners may uh, remember the great controversies um, at the time, and I was at that time a, a Tory councillor there. We were in a minority, but it was, um, I learned a huge amount. I love being a councillor actually, because I learned a lot about uh, life and about uh, how a lot of people live. And people, uh, I certainly counted my blessings because a lot of people were living in circumstances a great deal worse than I'd experienced. Um, and um, you really get to know your local area and uh, you really feel you can you can do something. So so I enjoyed that. And then I ended up in working in the Houses of Parliament um, after leaving the city. Um, it was I started this job in January 1990. And I mentioned the date because the Berlin Wall fell in November 89 and two MPs, uh, a Labour MP and a Conservative MP had had the bright idea to organise an event uh, to which uh, the new democracies of Eastern Europe would be invited, to which they'd be invited, um, uh, and which they called it the Future of Europe Conference. Um, and essentially, um, I organised that conference and then a whole series of events over the next four or five years uh, resulting from that. And uh, it was, it was, it was terrific fun because um, we had this, we were just on, like, if you're on the crest of a wave, if you're a surfer, you'd know the experience. Just, it was the time when everything was changing and we had this advantage of having the parliamentary links. And so we were able to work with people in Eastern Europe um, uh, and in the foreign office here. Um, and um, I met some really interesting people and we had people like Lech Wałęsa, the, the, uh, the president of Poland, uh, who'd, uh, who'd seen through the revolution there, he came and spoke, and all sorts of interesting people. Um, and a very, a very humbling sense of, of what it means to have freedom uh, from those people who'd been in pre previously in dictatorships. So it was um, a, fa a fascinating time. Um, uh, I, we obviously didn't solve all the problems of Europe, did we? Um, <laughs> but we but we had a good go um, and then at the end of that sort of political phase I ended up uh, uh, I think you mentioned it I, I did stand for Parliament um, for the uh, constituency of Tooting in South London uh, which I have to say I also loved and I think it's, I think it's a great um, grounding for anybody who wants to be a vicar really to, <laughs> to stand for Parliament first um, because I actually quite like knocking on doors. People think I'm, I'm mad when I, when, they, when I say that. But you never know who's behind the door. And the, the thing is, Nigel, that people are actually very suspicious and they think, oh, but what happens if they, if they want to thump you? Or what if they want to kind of, you know, get very angry with you? In my experience, and which was as a conservative councillor and candidate going around heavily traditional labour areas, was that vast majority of people were incredibly nice um, and uh, and the key thing is just to be interested in people because yeah. I just you know they're just fascinating and uh, I just learned a huge amount from that and um, it was it was 1997 anyway when I stood which was not a great year to be 
a conservative really. Uh, so it was the Tony Blair landslide. Um, but <laughs> but what my claim to fame is this: that I think I'm my, my memory serves me right. The Labour swing nationally, the swing to Labour was 12.7 percent, and the swing to Labour in Tooting was only 12.2 percent. <laughs> now I had a 0.5 percent positive personal vote. <laughs> but you weren't elected as an MP. But I was certainly not elected. No, there was a vast majority against me. Oh. <laughs> There we go. Now, now for, for almost 10 years, you then worked uh, firstly as a general manager of a learning disability charity mm -hmm. and then as a regional director of the Shore Trust, a disability employment charity. Uh, what drew you to this type of work and how was your Christian faith informing uh, what you did there? I... Um... I sort of fell into it in a way, and I sort of, and, and I think that there's a bit of a pattern here that, that God does lead you into things, and and so what feels like me falling into it is is part of the plan. Um, but it was um, uh, 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 anyway. I, I, I took this first job, uh, a disability charity, and then a, a more a wider employment charity, a disability charity, um, and um, uh, I, I suppose. I, I've had a very strong sense from early age of um, the phrase that um, my mum used to say, which was uh, uh, from those to whom God has given much, uh, much is expected. Um, I, I think it's based on a biblical verse, though I can't quite think which one it is at the moment. Um, and that's that's really at the core of, you know, I've been very blessed. And so uh, it's you know, everything we have is from God. And you know what we what we have is is from him to give back. Um, and uh, I hadn't had the experience of disability, um, and um, uh, but it, I found the people we were working with fascinating uh, and working alongside them. So one of the things we particularly specialised in was um, not only play, uh, enable people to get mainstream employment, but for those perhaps who were a little bit away from that. Um, um, we ran a number of horticultural projects and catering projects um, where people were able to work um, with learning disabilities or mental health issues um, and um, it was just great to it just felt it very kind of natural I learned a lot from from how people were um, and again uh, it, this sort of came back at a later stage from where I was in Devon I got very involved with a um, uh, a, 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 a bit like a fresh expression of church, which was for those with learning disabilities, um, worshiping with with, and um, I, I just found their expression of faith so exuberant and um, natural, um, and that was really helped really deepen my faith in, in a couple of ways. Really, one in, in terms, I guess, of worship that that um, I suppose I'm I'm essentially a pretty traditional. Englishman um, and so um, expressive forms of worship are not necessarily my most natural thing <laughs> but actually I felt completely released uh, to worship exuberantly with them um, and and secondly in terms of when I was leading those, those times of worship um, with those with learning disabilities you have to be able to express the core of God's love in a very clear simple message not hiding behind long theological words 
that probably you don't really understand anyway. Um, uh, so that was a good challenge, actually. How can you tell it simply and directly? So, yeah, so that was, I learned a lot about disability from all of that. Really? Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, would you say from your understanding of, of how the nation deals with disability that we've come a long way since that time? I mean, are we... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of the uh, things like the Olympics, you know, and, yeah. and, and other other things that happen, the Invictus Games and whatever. Would you say that we've 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 learnt and and got better or not? I, I, th I mean, I think we we have learnt a huge amount. I think we have come on a long way, uh, but I think it'll always be. There's always much further to go. Um, I, I think we. Uh, it's very hard to put yourselves in the shoes of, 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 of somebody with a particular disability um, to do that truly. Um, and uh, I mean, small things, I mean, like at my current church, because of the kind of architecture of it, it's really difficult for us to get a fully accessible entrance to our church. Uh, and so there are other ways in and that's, which, which are not too difficult, but it, it's still saying, where well, you're kind of a bit different, aren't you, uh, coming to this place? Um, yeah. And I think it's very important when we think about worship and when we think about the Bible and when we think about being honest before God, um, um, uh, it's very easy to place barriers. Um, and, and our society does that in employment terms, and we can do it, sadly, in the church as well. Um, so we just it's just a constant, we have to constantly critiquing it and also recognizing our own disabilities as well that's the other thing that mm. we're all you know we're, we've all fallen short uh, from what god has made us to be um, that's our sort of understanding if you if you like you could translate the kind of idea of original sin as 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 we're, we're all we're all broken we're all disabled uh, yeah. some of those disabilities are more recognizable than yeah. others yeah, very good. Very good, James. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, in 2003, you attended uh, formal theological training mm -hmm. and since then have been an Anglican minister serving Devon, uh, in around the Exeter area and more latterly in, uh, in southwest London. Uh, how did you sense a call to go to theological college? Uh, how did that happen? Cause that's, that's a pretty big step, really, isn't it? Um, well, I think it seemed a fairly strange idea uh, originally. Um, I, I first sent a, a call and tested it out um, just after I'd left the city. Uh, it was, in a way, it was part of that. And I went through the, actually, I went through the discernment process. Um, and you see various people and you see the bishop and you go to a selection conference. And I'll tell you what happened was I got the, you, the, the letter letter came in those days um, and I opened it up and essentially the letter said dear James um, I'm delighted to say that the selection panel have recommended you for training and it was precisely in reading that that I realized it wasn't the right moment <laughs> now you could just think I'm a very contrary kind of person but I think what it did was I I think it uncovered that within me I was expecting them to come back and say not no but you've got to explore this more or you've got to do this first or you know um and it didn't say that and i thought well actually i know that there's more i've got to explore first so i i, I was brave enough to say to the bishop thanks but no thanks um 
and, and he was very gracious about it as well. Um, and so I did that. Then I kind of um, trundled on for a little bit. Um, but I was very involved I, in, in church life, in, in leading groups and leading worship and, and the like. Um, and so what I put it down to is a couple of things. Really. There were a couple of people I can think of who, who really prompted me to consider this further. Uh, a, a good friend uh, uh, called uh, Jo, who, who wouldn't kind of take no for an answer. She sort of said, no, this is really what you've got to do. We, ha we had a new vicar come to our church in Twickenham and uh, uh, we, we invited him round to, 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 to meet him uh, and he came round. I can visualise it now and uh, uh, Alice uh, uh, kindly went off to get a, a drink for us, I think it was, and um, Jeff, his name is, uh, he's still the vicar of Twickenham. Uh, and uh, we'd literally met a couple of times before, had cursory conversations and he, and he said, so... Um, when are you going to get ordained? And it was, you know, <laughs> uh, and he's just one of those people who, you know, has that, that kind of speaks from the spirit. And so that was, that had a powerful effect. Cause I thought, Ooh, how, how do you know about that? <laughs> um, and then so I went to and from, to and fro with God really in terms of, uh, and, and essentially I got to a place where I was saying to God, well, uh, this, the, yeah, this could be a good idea, um, um, but uh, it's not quite the right time at the moment. Um, and um, then I had the most powerful experience of, in a sense, of of of, of God's voice in, in, in kind of audible terms of God's voice. And I can tell you where it was. I was driving on the A3, not a very exciting piece of road, really, um, uh, where it's, there's now a, a big tunnel there, Hindhead. Uh, and... Um, and I can remember God's voice saying, uh, it's not your choice, it's mine. And um, really, so I thought, oh, all right then. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I just sort of thought, well, and that was completely freeing. Cause I thought, I can go on weighing the pros and cons of this decision until kingdom comes really, can't I? Um, and I won't get anywhere. Um, so that was very releasing. So I felt released and I still feel released because of that. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? So that was, that's, that's, yeah. Head up the today. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so what are the, um, what are the joys of being a vicar? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, what are the joys? Of it? Uh, it, 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 I think I talked about people earlier on when talking about being a parliamentary candidate. I mean, it's about, you, it's maybe a truism, but you are with people at the at the highs and lows of life, um, and uh, it's an extraordinary privilege to uh, be with them, to listen to them, uh, sense what is what is God saying in this situation, what, how to them, what is God saying to me, and um, I find the best preparation, particularly whether it's the most difficult kind of conversations, is yes, you prepare, of course, for who you're meeting with and what may have happened. Often you don't get much time, do you? It's a crisis. And, and all you can do, but all you can do is ask God, you know, please, please give me the right words. And probably not too many words as well, because that you know, they normally get in the way. Um, so it, it's... it's um, 
that that and that's at the heart of it. The people. Uh, I think there's an old description about being a vicar, which is um, you, you know you're 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 trying to hold you're trying to hold a group of people together. That's what a church community is. You're holding them uh, together as a people before and with God. That's 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 it. So that image of the kind of and when we celebrate uh, communion. Uh, the priest typically will hold out their hands uh, in, in a, so it's a sense of welcome of holding uh and that's an extraordinary privilege to be able um to do that yeah uh, i mean de- dealing with dealing with people that are compliant i guess is easy but how do you deal with difficult people do you come across difficult people ever and how do you deal with that <laughs> well occasionally <laughs> i come across difficult people um, uh, how do i deal with that um well, I mean, difficult people aren't aren't going to be easy, are they? Uh, by definition, um, I suppose I, uh, I, you know, you look for the win-win, don't you? You, you, you so the starting point is that th- this person is a child of God, as I am, um, and um, so you value the person, uh, and you um, seek to. You, you seek for the best for them. Um, I, I'm naturally not someone who's great at confrontation. Um, so I've had to learn, you know, techniques of of, of being rightly assertive. Um, I, I think what I've learned is that, yes, you seek to conciliate and to reconcile. Reconciliation is always there. Um, uh but the, the the thing we shouldn't do is to sweep things under the carpet. <laughs> that is, that is because generally that doesn't solve the problem. Problems like that don't go away. I mean, time does heal certain things, but where there are fundamental problems in a church community or in any human community, you have to you have to deal with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you, yeah, you, you're you're Christ representative to people, and that's you know you want to be a person that's that's drawing people closer to God than 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 turning them away from God through your your talking with them. Yeah, and it's you know I'm wearing a dog collar today, and that and, and that is the broadly speaking, I, I find it an advantage wearing a dog collar in that it's a kind of it's a recognisable but also kind of a neutral uniform, uh, and it perhaps gives people permission to be able to to talk where they might not otherwise talk. Um, but you've also got to recognize that for some people, some people have very bad experiences of, of the church. Um, and, uh, and so, it, so, so sometimes I won't be wearing the dog collar, especially when I, if I, if I know that's going to be an issue that I certainly won't. Um, yes. um, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I had a, a, a friend who, who was a vicar, but also around, he said, uh, he said, he said, 99 times out of 100, James, wearing the dog collar is an advantage. He said, one time out of 100, the person wants to kill me. <laughs> okay. uh, um, so um, on yeah. balance, it's a positive thing. On balance, it's a it's a it's a positive thing. Yeah. Now, I mentioned in the introduction your heart to work alongside those most in need in society and in particular the homeless. Now, tell us more about that. Well, that was um, back. I used to live in Streatham, South London, and back in uh, late 1989, um, it all this all came together with uh, anyway the other stories I've been telling. Um, 
there was a lot of street homelessness in London and uh, we decided we would um, set up on Christmas Day a, a, a like a classic kind of Christmas Day soup kitchen um, and uh, we did that we had quite a lot of people come along and um, from that grew um, a, a whole organization that's there today called the Spires Centre we set it up with our, uh, we were the Anglican Church, across the road was the Roman Catholic Church. We kind of set it up together, uh, but with lots of other people volunteering. Um, and it's just all, and I've had um, uh, involvement with homelessness organisations ever since from there. Um, and um, having a roof over your head is just such a fundamental thing, isn't it? And I've always had a roof over my head. And what I learned from the conversations there were, that uh, there were people who were kind of just like me and then they lost their job or they, um, uh, they, their marriage fell apart uh, and you know, two of these, three of these things come together and then they were on the street. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, we, none of us is far from that. Um, the, the, the homeless, the disabled, none, no, these are all labels, aren't they? They're not different species. They're all human beings. And um, so I just found it incredibly uh, humbling, rewarding, instructive um, to do. Um, and uh, so to try to kind of carry on um, since then. And uh, so actually just soon after moving here last year, uh, where there was a sleep out for, there's a West London homelessness charity called Glassdoor, who do fantastic work. Um, and uh, they did a sleep out. Um, and uh, I found myself in the bizarre situation of sleeping out under the stars and who drew next door to me, but the um, Archdeacon of Wandsworth. So I thought, goodness, this is the first time I've met the Archdeacon and I'm meeting him sleeping out. In a <laughs> <laughs> um, so there we are. Um, and you yeah. probably became best of friends. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good on you, James. Good on you. I mean, that really is, um, yeah, that, that is fantastic. And it's, um, it's a real reminder what you said there. None of us is far from that situation, really. And we take these things so much for granted. You're so right, we do. Uh, but to, to live on the streets when one is homeless and, you know, lack of protection, food, I mean, it really is. It's, it's desperate. And actually, uh, you know, a kind of good byproduct possibly of the pandemic has been that you've probably seen that uh, a huge number of homeless people were taken off the streets into hotels and hostels and things uh, in March. Uh, and, that, and that experience actually has, has, has led to quite a few people um, changing their lives. Um, and I think it's wow. and I think people have also the government and others have realised you know, you, it's absurd to now. Um, kick them back out onto the street again. The cost is comparatively small and, 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 and invaluable in terms of, of getting people back on track. So uh, I'm hoping that out of all the terrible things this year, one yeah. of the good things may be yeah. sleeping out on the streets. Definitely, definitely. And now you've been a minister in the Church of England for a number of years now. Uh, just briefly, if you may, what do you see happening spiritually in our nation and also within the Church of England, do you think? Um, I see that there is great spiritual interest in the nation. Uh, again, I think the last few months have, uh, have increased that. 
but there is an extraordinary suspicion of organized religion. Um, uh, the uh, scandals about um, uh, child abuse and, and other institutional scandals have uh, really put a lot of people off institutional religion. Um, and uh, 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 I think uh, our response has to be that of a, of a, a guy, a bishop, a bishop I once knew, who said, People say, I don't believe in God. And so he, his response to them was, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And he said, nine times out of 10, when people told me about the God they don't believe in, I could say to them as well, well, I don't believe in that God either. Yeah. Let me tell you about the God in Jesus Christ, who I do believe in. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just that with all the advantages that the Church of England used to have, um, a, a huge amount of them have, been, have, have disappeared um and and uh, 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 but the church of england if i can focus on that for a moment um we have the enormous privilege that we have these amazing buildings throughout the land the church i have here is on a high street uh we open every day and it's extraordinary how many people come to this church day by day they're not on our lists um uh they i may never know who they are uh, but we have an enormous privilege and we're there to serve everybody in that parish and so i think the spiritual hunger is is as much there as ever before it's just the church going habit yeah gone yeah. and 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 uh and it's our challenge for those of us who are christians now to speak afresh of that gospel yeah amen amen james absolutely absolutely and i think you know i've often said this um that Jesus was against organized religion as well. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, he reserved his harshest criticism for the, for the, you know, the religious elite, if you like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Amen to that. Now it's been said that if you're not currently going through a tough time, uh, you've either just, you've either just been through one or one is around the corner. Um, earlier in the year, you received some news about your wife, Alice, uh, which must've been very challenging. Um, tell us about this and, and the place of God in all of this. Okay, um, so we so we moved, we've been here a year. Uh, so really, from uh, the, knowing we were going to be moving here, Alice wasn't quite you know her health wasn't quite right, um, and so moving is, ne is is never easy at the best of times, is it? And and it certainly wasn't easy for her. And uh, and then. Um, uh, Going through the medical process is complicated, but eventually uh, various people we got in front of said, well, we think this is uh, a manifestation of Parkinson's uh, disease. Um, and eventually, it took a long time, but eventually that was, was formally diagnosed in January of this year. Um, and, and that sort of uh, thing takes you aback, doesn't it? Um, uh, uh, Alice has been absolutely fantastic in dealing with that. Um, and uh, uh, my 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 well, what is my my job is to is, is to just to be to be there with her, um, and, and I think that's the nature of uh, of any of any married relationship, any any strong relationship. Indeed, is you're there for the person, and 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 so um, uh, it's only gradually you think about it really in a more in a deeper. Uh, it's I suppose I was struck. Um, <clears throat> I suppose there's never a good time to have a bad health diagnosis, is there? Um, but the sort of the coincidence with the moving was was. I think when you start thinking about coincidences a lot, actually they're they're what people call God incidences, aren't they? That that mm -hmm. 
so God is in this. Um, I, 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 I don't think Alice has this sense. I certainly don't have the sense that of, of sort of being cross with God for this. Um, because that's not, I don't think I sort of see God acting in that way. Uh, it's rather, you know, you're a bit perplexed, aren't you? And you've got to struggle with why, not what, not so much why has this happened, but what, what does it mean? Um, and and uh, I think you, you, through any difficulty, you learn a lot about each other and you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about God. Um, um, and I suppose the thing I'm learning at the moment is about being um, being kind of vulnerable. Um, so um, you, I suppose I, you know, I I want to try, like lots of people, I want to try and I like to think I can fix situations. You know, you think I can fix this. Yes. What's the solution? You know, yes. we'll sort out. There's a problem. We'll sort out the solution. And. Um, when you've got fundamental issues like a like a condition like Parkinson's, you, you can do lots of things to alleviate and to improve, but fundamentally you can't you can't wish it away. You can't solve it in that way, uh, and so you just have to live with it. And that's that's uh, and, and so going back to these themes, perhaps we've been touching on uh, of of how um, we can all we're all in a sense disabled. We're all um, uh, we're, we're all flawed um you learn you, you learn that that really is true and um uh i think it's a movement from uh, i think it's quite easy to be a christian and to sort of be a christian doing things to other people um in the best possible way you, know, you want to help people you know i want to uh, provide this service to those who are homeless or provide this service to those who are disabled but then but what Jesus did was he came alongside us. That's fundamental. You read the Gospels, all the stories, Jesus is coming alongside those, uh, anybody who's open to him. Um, and uh, so um, this experience is about being being with him uh, in whatever lies ahead. Yeah. Yeah, well, well thank you for being prepared to share that um on the podcast james because um you know, i think for any one of us to 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 have a you know family member in that situation is is very tough and uh yeah well um and yeah. just just say about that, Nigel, the other thing of course is is is, is you wonderful people also um uh, uh, uh come in front of you who have parkinson's themselves or or, or, or know about it and uh, and so you develop and learn new things and new and develop new relationships um mm. as a result so again it's um uh we, we we can we can only we can only live in the moment respond to god in the moment and and, and this is the moment we're in so yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no absolutely absolutely now now um being a vicar obviously you're, you're a busy man um some people think vicars only work on Sundays. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> um, how do you take your mind off work and challenges, and how do you spend your free time, relax, and all that sort of stuff? Um, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I'm, I'm, I find it quite easy to kind of switch gear. Um, I'm, I, as I think I mentioned, I was the youngest of five children, and my mother always used to talk about how there was, could be kind of chaos going on at home. 
but I could be sitting there reading a book and sort of just completely kind of <laughs> so I'm quite good at that um how do I switch well I mean obviously in really, our, our children are now so young adults but uh, but family's been incredibly important um uh to, I, I switch off. I enjoy. I'm enjoy. I'm. I'm a pretty hopeless sportsman, but I enjoy sport, playing and and uh, and and kind of watching. Um, and so that's always, uh, you know, the the the. the it's, it's been extraordinary this summer, really, with empty stadium, but uh, amazingly exciting cricket matches in the, te- in the tests. So so that's been. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you will get on very well with my son, Matthew, who absolutely loves cricket. Test match special. This is, oh, I'll tell you what. Absolutely <laughs> and the great it. thing is that the highlights programme on the BBC, they've brought back the music. For the for the cricket that was 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 in my childhood was the was the was the introductory music. You're <laughs> 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 right back there, brilliant. Now I, I want to talk about your your understanding of relationship with um, the Bible, the Word of God. After all, this is called the Bible and me. This podcast. What? Why is the Bible important to you? Now there may be somebody listening here thinking Bible. You know what, what relevance has that got? But I mean. You know, you're vicar, you do a lot of preaching, teaching, whatever. Why, what is it about the Bible that's important for you? Um, I, for me, increasingly, it's about, um, it's like, a, there's, a, there's a story early in the, uh, in, in the book of Genesis about um, the start of the Bible, about uh, Jacob. Uh, they're quite well-known characters, Jacob. And Jacob has essentially... Um, He's he's stolen the birthright. He's of his elder brother Esau, and on the, and so he's on. But now in this in the story, he's on his way to uh, to meet with Esau, and he's pretty worried about this encounter. And this and and and, and so what happens is just before he meets with Esau, he spends a night wrestling with this man, this angel. Um, he doesn't quite know who he's wrestling with, um, and in that encounter, he's both he's 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 he he he. he, he um, he's injured in the encounter, um, fractures his hip, but he's also blessed by God in that encounter. Uh, why do I say that? I, to me, at the best, that's my encounter with Scripture. It is about a grappling with, uh, and in, and and so in 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 this extraordinary richness of of of, 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 of the Bible, which of course is a whole group of, of books. The whole library you encounter God through uh, moral teaching you encounter God through poetry you encounter God through the story of his people and it's all about relating that to my situation now how do those two things connect and so I suppose in preaching that is why I, I do love preaching. You'll have to ask others whether they love preaching. <laughs> um, but it's about that that, that encounter, um, and how I've also have in, in latter years found um, the Bible um, uh, as the as the perhaps the most powerful route into prayer as well, because um, I think if if, if we if we're the, the sort of the, 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 the sort of supreme high is in silence contemplation and encounter with God but most of us find silence pretty threatening and difficult and if you're anything like me you say right I'm going to spend time with God now in silence 
and you sit down and immediately a whole to-do list <laughs> you say oh to yourself oh i'll do my to-do list and then i'll have quality time with god after that well the answer is guys that never happens uh, because the to-do list will go on and on and on uh, uh, but if you're not very good at silence, uh, which I'm not naturally, um, taking verses from scripture, uh, entering into Jesus's ministry, placing yourself in the scene is such a powerful way. Um, so uh, there's, yeah, so those are some of the ways you can tell me lots of the art built in. Lots oh, of brilliant. Do you have a favourite Bible book or character at all? Um, I guess I think um, I, there's not an awful lot about him in, 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 the, in, in the New Testament, but Barnabas, uh, I love. Um, he is Paul's companion uh, in, in their missionary journeys, and he is the encourager. I think the, the, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And he, he, that's what he does. He is someone who encourages uh, Paul. He is willing to go with Paul. He doesn't, you know, Paul was an amazing character, but um, probably not necessarily the easiest person to, to go around with. But Barnabas stuck with him. And um, so Barnabas, I love as a character. If I'm going to be, I'm going to cheat now, of course, and choose another one, which is, um, I mean, Peter, St. Peter um, is just wonderful because, because what he does is he responds from the gut to who Jesus is. So as Jesus calls him when he's out fishing, he responds to the follow me and drops everything. But he then, you know, doesn't get who Jesus is. He gets it wrong. He, um, he, he as Jesus predicts, he, he denies that he knows Jesus before his death on the cross. Yep. And yet he's restored by Jesus. So Peter. We should. We can all go to Peter, and, <laughs> yeah. and he's the one who Jesus chooses. He chooses that flawed person who gets it wrong. He's the one who God chooses. So if Jesus chooses Peter, he can choose as he does you and me. Oh, wonderful! Now, um, what about a uh, a favourite Bible verse? In, in preparing for this, I, I, we, I've been we've been leading a, a Zoom group as we do nowadays um, on the book of uh, Philippians, Paul's letters to the Philippians, and uh, in that uh, in chapter one, he says, "I thank my God every time I remember you." That may not sound very dramatic, um, but um, Paul—that's how Paul engages with people. In th he, he remembers them with thanks. He may give them a tough message <laughs> uh, if he feels that they need it, but he remembers people in prayer and in love first. And that is our starting point with other people. And it's God's starting point with us. Um, yeah. So that is my current favorite one, but I'm going to cheat again. And, and um, so John 10, 10. Uh, I have come that you may have life and life in all its abundance. Yeah, brilliant. So vicars aren't allowed to cheat, James. You should know that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going just I'm gonna um combine these last two questions together. So you'll be speaking and preaching a lot. Um first question, how do you study the word of God to prepare for preaching? First question, second is any top tips for any new vicars out there? <laughs> I try and prepare by, I mean, I generally, uh, in my context, um, I, we have, a, we use the, the, the lectionary, so it sets out 
readings ahead so which i quite like because it means i'm not actually choosing the readings i'm yeah. so i have to engage with with, with the readings that i'm given which is quite yeah. a healthy thing to do yeah. um i so so if it's uh, where we we're, we're doing this on a, on a tuesday um uh so i'm now starting to engage with those readings for the week ahead and i try and as it were live with those readings yeah yes studying them formally and and, and their their root and the meanings and, and and that but also wrestling with it in terms of what does that mean in the context for me now for my community for what people people i'm going to be preaching to what does this mean to them um yeah. so so yeah preach yeah. That, that's my kind of to how I try and grapple with preaching. Um, top tips for vicars. Uh, I've talked about, it's about the people, love the people you're with. Uh, mm -hmm. as, a, as a neighbor once said to me, the Bible says, love your neighbor. It doesn't mean to say you have to like them. I <laughs> wish is meant, we're not gonna be bosom buddies with everybody, <laughs> but we, we love them because they're, they're made by God. And um, you know, have your boundaries, uh, you need boundaries for your own you're not superman or woman um and um st paul writes about how um uh he kind of prepared the the, the, the soil and a, a fellow evangelist apollos watered it but it's god who gave the grain it's god yeah. who, it's god's field and uh, uh we do our best but then we let go and let god yeah let yeah. go and let god oh james uh Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. It's been a real delight, a real pleasure. Thank you for your words of wisdom. May the Lord continue to bless you. Um, you know, uh, pray for you in this time with Alice as well. Um, pray for Alice and the family. Um, and may the Lord, you know, continue to use you and, and the gifts that you've got to uh, extend his kingdom. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Nigel, and God bless all that you're doing.